Hey everybody, welcome in to another episode of Real Sports Talk by Naraj. Everybody's doing well. It is February 9th, Tuesday, and um, I want to get into a couple of things uh, in today's episode. I want to start off by talking about Black History Month and the significance of sport athletes and you know and making that month really making this month really really meaningful and important as we know black history month honoring a lot of african-americans who um they're tremendous things for society were true warriors in the sense of you know fighting for their rights um and and being able to break so many barriers um along the way to be where they are today as a, as a group and they continue to uh, pass upon their wisdom, their lessons, their life experience to the younger generation in many ways and so uh, one of the things that I've always um, liked to see every year in February um, is an ESPN program called Black History Always and uh, this is a, you know, a thing that you can kind of watch uh, depending on the links you can get for it uh, just of watching like how they talk about like the life and, and uh, you know journey of certain african-american athletes who revolutionized the game made it entertaining made it meaningful made it significant to watch for whatever they were setting out to do and so, I mean, it's truly amazing and it really teaches you a lot. Uh, it gives you a different perspective on what African-Americans, uh, you know, had to do back then to really make a name for themselves, to fit in um, into a society which is ever-changing. And, uh, you know, it's all about making most of the circumstances, putting your head down, putting your head high, uh, and just going about your business, going with your hard work being determined, being dedicated, uh, and African-American athletes definitely exemplify that uh, throughout the years um, and, and making making a, a path for the younger generation to continue to succeed and be viewed in a positive light uh, than they were in the past. So you look at it, there have been mem- many memorable athletes throughout the years. Um, like Jackie Robinson, you know, who broke the color barrier uh, in baseball. When he started playing baseball, people were watching, people were viewing him. I mean, he just had that kind of aura and impact and presence to really open up baseball um, to African Americans. And we see how much more diversified MLB has become um, in terms of just players coming from different backgrounds. And you just see the unity, the compassion, the love, support that uh, people give each other um, in baseball. Uh, it's truly great to see them be this way. Look at the NBA. Uh, I mean, Bill Russell, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, all incredible athletes who impacted, revolutionized the game of basketball in many different ways. Bill Russell was a winning champion. Uh, you look at Michael Jordan from where he came from, his journey of becoming one of the greatest players in basketball history. Kobe Bryant, what a great leader on and off the court. It was all about winning, dedication, 
um, overcoming a lot of different things thrown in, the, in his direction. But being able to be there um, to support everybody in his inner circle, to you know, uplift that community that was really you know into basketball. That's big time. And Kobe's words and passion still live on with us today. And so you know, the NBA has become you know such an amazing uh, platform for, for athletes now, where they can speak up, express their views. We see LeBron James doing that. We see Kevin Durant doing that. Kyrie Irving doing that. And this is just you know just the beginning of all that. I mean, they've been doing this throughout the years appreciating the path that was paid for them and now they're bringing about awareness they're bringing about change you see a lot of foundations fundraiser campaigns to continue to fight for rights for african americans to this day um and it continues to be a, a battle and we still have a long way to go as a country but african americans who were able to step up, you know, make the most of their situation, really put in the hard work in which they weren't viewed, you know, always as great and stuff, you know, like that. They, they you know, they stepped up and shined through uh, and they made the most of their situations. And so, you know, you look at, look at Muhammad Ali, the kind of presence he had in boxing, what he brought to the boxing world, you know, you know, in the NFL, you know, Doug Williams, Super Bowl champion, you know, Michael Vick, someone who overcame a lot of things and made an impact. Jerry Rice, Barry Sanders, Jim Brown, um, you know, Shannon Sharp, many others that you can say um, in the NFL that a lot of the sport athletes today are African Americans and they have been able to uh, do a good job um, in the sense of just making sure that they educate themselves to be more aware of what's around them and they've been able to pr prove themselves at many levels we see nba gms nfl executives that are african-american and black and they continue to do their best to be be as qualified to be on an equal platform as everybody else and they continue they need to step up um, and take uh, take advantage of what they can in terms of just working hard, staying in one place, working for many years in one place, and then being able to get promoted. Uh, as we saw this NFL offseason, uh, it's truly special to see um, you know African American and Blacks get this opportunity to continue to build upon their legacy, their platform, um, and you know I've always. Like I said, throughout the years and watching sports and all these athletes like Tiger Woods and, you know, Kobe and LeBron, uh, you know, some of the U.S. swimmers, you know, it's just been tremendous. And all of these, um, you know, unique athletes in sports and history, they all impacted and revolutionized their sport in a way, made it exciting to watch, made it meaningful to watch. We learned a lot about their journeys along the way. And we still, to this day, are understanding the journey of a lot of these African-American, you know, sport athletes and what they really did, you know, in between the lines every day, you know, day to day, year to year. How did they keep on pushing ahead with all the challenges and all the things going on in society? They, find, they found a way to make a place for themselves. And 
more than ever, people are now speaking up using their platform. I mean, look at Layla Ali, Maya Moore, you know, two exceptional, uh, you know, female sport athletes who made it so great. You know, Simone Manuel, uh, you know, Leslie, you know, it's just been tremendous how WNBA, you know, has changed. Um, terms of platform and speaking up and so it's a tremendous uh, month very important month symbolizes a lot of things for African Americans who struggle through a lot of adversity a lot of circumstances and challenges to be in the spot and the athletes that we see today who are African American and black they have earned their right their their way to be in this position and they continue to become more and more well-rounded individuals on and off their respective sports and their impact goes beyond sports. It goes into, you know, giving back to their community, giving back to their society, being a voice. And a lot of NBA players have were doing that even more uh, throughout this past season. They continue to do that, and we're seeing a change. We're seeing a big time change. Um, as long as we keep thinking great and positively about one another, um, we all can, you know have a great platform together so um very important month throughout the month i would encourage a lot of people just to keep on kind of reading about some of the great um african-american and black uh, players assistant coaches executives you know throughout the years because you know in the nfl and the nba there's so many great stories um, that are being told and will be told in the future um and you know, every person um, before the young generation, like all these great athletes, left upon a lot of you know, life lessons, experiences, and values that sport athletes to this day are are, are, are you know taking it taking it all in and they're applying it to their own journey. And I know that there'll be many more greats before it's all said and done. Um, so truly special and. Um, I, you know, I give my I tip my hats to all the greats, African Americans and you know, black sport athletes that really made sports so great and meaningful, entertaining to watch. Always got us engaged in a lot of different things, and now we're seeing the younger generation carry it forward. And I know, I know without a doubt, they will continue to uh, make even more changes, even bring more attention, more awareness uh, to our society, to our world. And a lot of people who are on their journeys in the beginning will get a lot of help, get, get a lot of advice, a lot of, um, of opportunities to really make it great um, and have a successful career in sports, but also in life as well. So now in this segment, I want to talk about the situation with Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles. I'll have to admit, I've never really liked the Philadelphia Eagles. I've always been against them. One, because as a Giants fan, in the competition throughout the years, you know, we beat them quite a bit. They beat us. Uh, and this is one game that I absolutely hated seeing the way to end it that the Sean Jackson won. So I've always had disdain for the Eagles 
because there's been, you know, they've been an NFC East rival and, you know, there's just been battles throughout the years. Just like I hate the Eagles for the way they are. Uh, I think the only time I really rooted for the Eagles was probably when they got to the Super Bowl against the Patriots in which they won, which I was happy to see for some reason. Um, but, you know, there are different times now in Philadelphia. Um, obviously, we you know the Sixers are having some early season success. And the Eagles have been through a lot of turmoil, a lot of um, confusing times recently. You know, Carson Wentz was drafted in 2016, I believe, in the same draft as Jared Goff, if I'm not mistaken. And Carson Wentz was, you know, really compared early on in that draft process to Ben Roethlisberger. And, you know, Carson Wentz was a quarterback with, you know, a big arm, kind of the standard size. And a lot was expected out of Carson Wentz in Philadelphia. I think he had a very good first rookie year, um, but then it ended with an ACL injury, unfortunately. Um, and then, you know, just things just didn't kind of work out uh, for Carson Wentz after that. I mean, he had to get back and play. And, you know, during that time that he was out, Nick Foles came in, won the Super Bowl championship for the Philadelphia Eagles with this team. And Carson Wentz, um, you know, he had good promise in the first couple of years as a starting quarterback for the Eagles. I mean, he had a big arm, he made some really nice throws, had some good games. He did lead the Eagles to the playoffs with, you know, not a good wide receiving group, kind of like a you know, no-name kind of wide receiver group. And they were able to make it to the NFC wildcard um, game against the Seattle Seahawks, which was a very, uh, game, you know, interesting game. He fortunately got hurt again in that playoff game and... You know, the thing with Carson Wentz, the biggest problem he's had in his career is being able to be healthy um, and getting himself right. And, you know, Doug Pearson was someone who was in Kansas City, had a good relationship with quarterbacks and working with quarterbacks. And a lot was expected from Doug Pearson and Carson Wentz working together. Carson Wentz as a quarterback really struggled to do a lot of things right this past year and he's really regressed probably in the last couple of years um, just due to the fact that the team around him obviously changed a lot. I mean they did have an aging veterans and wide receivers that the chef drafted but you know with the quarterbacks right it's a very short window uh, at this point. A quarterback has to be able to succeed in some kind of way in their first three to four years. And if they don't do that, then it's, you know, then the teams start looking for the replacement. And I think that this situation with Carson Wentz, if I'm being honest, I mean, the situation kind of went bad because of Carson Wentz, but also in some way went, also went wrong with the Philadelphia Eagles. So, you look at the Philadelphia Eagles, right? They obviously knew they had to be active in getting Carson Wentz receivers, getting faster in some areas. Um, And guys were healthy this year. And the biggest problem with Carson Wentz and his regression over these 
couple of years had been his mechanics and his ability to push the ball down the field. Now, he's been able to do that to an extent, but turning the football over, having those kind of games where you're not being able to make a play when your team needs to make a play, it definitely impacts a team's strategy. And I think the moment the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round with their draft pick, things were kind of going to head this way. Because Jalen Hurts was at Alabama, won a national championship, uh, showed great promise as a pocket passer. And so Hurts was brought in to the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think that Carson Wentz um, just never really um, played like the way he, he was capable of playing. He just made a lot of mental errors, a lot of mistakes. Um, you know, Doug Peterson tried to work with him as he could, but those two did not have a good relationship towards the end of their tenure together. Carson Wentz didn't really uh, show, uh, you know, uh, how much of a leader he could be. And this is the difference between him and Dak Prescott is that, you know, you saw Carson Wentz show up to, like, games and press conferences and he would say all the right things, but would he carry it out? To a certain extent, he didn't. I mean, the team around him was built in an interesting way. They had some decent talent there, and it was up to Carson Wentz to really make it work, and Doug Pearson to make it work. So, coaching, yes, was a factor. But Carson Wentz never, you know, played with that much confidence. And when you don't have that confidence, when you're not a leader, when you're not being vocal about fixing things the right way, then you're not going to be able to do that. And even when Carson Wentz spoke up, he didn't carry it through. As a player, he really struggled to make it happen. Uh, He was given that big contract extension after initial success, and he just did not get it done when he had to play. They, They had a chance in a division which has always been right for the taking, and they just weren't able to... They were the... They had the, like... You know, they had the same head coach, they had the same kind of team. You know, Dallas and New York and Washington were all dealing with new situations, and the Eagles is disappointed. Carson Wentz wasn't able to have those big kind of games. The Eagles defense struggled, and throughout the year, there's just more and more talk about Jalen Hurts getting an opportunity, getting a look. And I think all that chatter about Jalen Hurts affected Carson Wentz, and he didn't show up and play well I mean and look at the way he, he is now I mean he hasn't said a word about the Eagles um, that whole situation at the end of the season with that game at the end where you know Hertz was benched and or Hertz was taken out they brought in Nate Southfield and the Eagles just really mismanaged from top to bottom they didn't really build this team right and Carson Wentz never gave them the confidence that they were looking for he didn't speak about being wanting to be back in Philadelphia. He wanted to be out. Carson Wentz might be thinking he's arrived as a quarterback, but he is far from that. I mean, he just hasn't been able to do things well enough. And look, competition makes you better as a quarterback. I, the Eagles were probably thinking that Jalen Hurts would bring even more better things from Carson Wentz. They invested in Carson Wentz so much to the point that they tried to make it work with Carson Wentz. And now he's expressing his desire to be traded and be be gone from the, from the Eagles, wanting a fresh start. And his relationship with Doug Peterson really got worse over the season where 
They didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things. Carson Wentz just wasn't making plays. And you just saw him struggle to throw the football at times to get good reads. Uh, it was just shocking to see him not being able to, to succeed with the kind of talent that he has. And a lot of Eagle players did support Carson Wentz after the season, expressing that they kind of wanted him back. And but Carson Wentz to totally just not say anything and then see Doug Peterson fired. I don't know if even Carson Wentz even had a statement about Doug Peterson after he was let go. So things got so bad in Philadelphia that Carson Wentz wants out. He doesn't see eye to eye with any of his, uh, you know, any of the, you know, Howie Roseman, Jeffrey Lurie. Um, and like I said, both sides deserve blame. Uh, but Carson Wentz was supposed to, like, deliver. When you pay a player, you expect him to improve and, and do a lot of great things. And they even hired a coach that they felt was going to work with Carson Wentz, right? Um, and it just seems like Carson Wentz won't even give this guy a chance even. And, you know, they're at a point where now they're going to be probably going with Jalen Hurts as quarterback most likely. Or they might just do something else. But the Eagles, as a team, they obviously paid a lot of their veterans a lot of money. And they have to get younger now. They have to cut, cut costs now. And Carson Wentz's number that they gave him, the contract they gave him, he hasn't lived up to it. Whether it was his fault or not, as a quarterback, you're supposed to deliver and play well if you pay that much money. And Carson Wentz was never there. He was never mentioned among those quarterbacks after his initial success. And as a result, the Eagles are moving on from him. And I would say that Carson Wentz still is in the prime of his career. He's 28, still can turn it around, have a good NFL career. But he's got to get back in the right mindset. He's got to get back to fundamentals, basics. Maybe a change of scenery is what he needs. But wherever he showed in Philadelphia, he still has some talent. He just made a lot of big... Like he made a lot of like interceptions and bad decisions throughout the year. The Eagles should have been able to be, be more competitive in this division, and that came down to Doug Peterson. That came down to Carson Wentz not doing really, really well, and Peterson's lack of faith in Carson Wentz um, as he you know wasn't playing well, only weighing even more and more. And so, I think that you know Carson Wentz is gonna have to really look himself in the mirror see that he's got to adapt and change himself he's got to be more committed and wherever he does go next I mean he's really got to make it work because he's still a great player um, he just needs to show it and he needs the right kind of support system around him to get back to being a quarterback that can be mentioned um, you know in a good light because everything that's kind of coming out of Carson Wentz has been pretty negative the perception around him is that he just doesn't want to be there. He doesn't care about the Philadelphia Eagles anymore. He's done with them. So if that's the case and he, if he really wants to move on, then he's going to have to make it make it a really effort on himself. Wherever he goes next to be really good, to win his teammates over. Because the locker room in Philadelphia was divided. They were divided um, over how the situation with the quarterbacks were handled this year. Um... And I think that, uh, you know, it's only going to get more and more challenging for the Philadelphia Eagles. And so Carson Wentz just has to be able to understand what he's up against. A lot of teams are going to be trying to get him. Um, and wherever he goes next, the next head coach is going to have to make sure that they're on the same page 
um, in many different ways because that's the key to success for a quarterback in the NFL. So in this segment, I just want to recap some of the NBA action that took place yesterday. Obviously, a whole bunch of games left to go in the NBA season. I mean, most teams are, you know, kind of getting to that point of establishing themselves, figuring out rotations, figuring out rosters. Some coaches are, you know, really tinkering with a lot of lineup changes. And, you know, we're getting some good actions and good moments of players stepping up um, and as the season goes on I'm sure we're going to hear more and more of these players and these teams who will be in the mix all I can say is really interest, you know, intriguing in the Eastern Conference um, obviously some teams are up there, other teams are really trying to work their way into position so you know, Miami is the team that I have my eyes on and Charlotte definitely is the team that I have my eye on which leads me to Charlotte, the Charlotte Hornets. They defeated the Houston Rockets yesterday, 1994. Now, the Rockets obviously aren't a good team. Not a surprise, obviously, with the amount of talent um, that was out for this game because the Rockets didn't have Wall and Gordon. Um, so the Rockets are, you know, a team that's in transition. They're still trying to see if they can win the short term while developing some young talent but you know without Christian Wood without John Wall we really can't assess this Houston's team because they haven't played a whole lot together as of yet and so it's going to change hopefully you know with more things coming up obviously Houston should probably probably trying to you know make the most out of getting the most assets they can from you know someone like Eric Gordon who would be a great welcome addition on any team that's contending um, you know and then, you know you have a guy like PJ Tucker who's also someone who they should trade so like Houston has work to do but Steven Silas has so far done an okay job no one expects him to be great his first season in the Houston, Houston Rockets but he is doing whatever he can, and hopefully this team will continue to get better and better as it goes along. Uh, but in this game, it was all about LaMelo Ball. LaMelo Ball continues to have a impressive rookie season, continues to shine. His name is being kind of brought up more and more. Um, he had 24 points yesterday, 7 three-pointers, and 7 rebounds, 10 assists. You know, at this point, it's fair to say that LaMelo Ball just has much more of a feel for his shot, for his game, than Lonzo Ball ever did when he entered the, entered the NBA. Uh, LaMelo is able to step up. Uh, some of his shots look, look really smooth. And the threes that he's hitting from long range, um, it's working. It's working, and he's also a huge reason why the Charlotte Hornets are competitive, along with Gordon Hayward. And like I said, LaMelo is only 19 has so much to do in his NBA career and this is good early signs that Charlotte made the right decision 
by picking LaMelo Ball. Um, obviously, there's a whole lot of season left to go, but if he keeps this up and plays as well as he's supposed to play with the starting group here, um, the Charlotte Hornets will be a team to watch out for. I mean, they have some good veterans on that team, some guys who are young and scoring, and LaMelo is able to, you know, make the right pass, right assist. Um, and if he's continues to be consistent in terms of scoring and be aggressive with his shot, um, that would be a big thing for him in the future. I think what we do have to see from LaMelo Ball is, you know, how he looks against some of the better teams in the Eastern Conference later on in the season. His level of impact on the defensive end has to obviously continue to get better and better. Um, we know that he can distribute and do all those things, but for him, it's just about being consistent as a scorer, being better um, in those areas, and rebounding is something that he can definitely get better and better at. And I think he will get better at that as it goes, you know, as time goes on, as he gets more and more into game shape, more into the NBA level kind of things. He'll be much better um, in the long run for the Charlotte Hornets. And who knows, they could possibly contend this year for a playoff spot if he keeps it up the way that he's doing it right now. So yeah, I think overall, LaMelo Ball, where he is playing, obviously he's doing much better as of right now than Anthony Edwards from Minnesota. Although Edwards is in a pretty tough situation because Minnesota has just struggled to win games and you know find a way to be competitive. Where Charlotte, I mean, we'll see how they do. They could compete for a playoff spot. It's possible in the East. Obviously, you're seeing a bunch of the teams get some early season victories. So, the thing with Charlotte is that, you know, how do they build around the metal ball long term? Who will they keep? Who will they, you know, kind of not keep around? Um, the metal can do it all. Obviously, he's going to get more game experience. Um, and, like, in this particular game, you know, they were pretty efficient as a team. They shot better against Houston, who's, you know, not that great defensively. But, you know, Charlotte has to be able to win games against teams that they're clearly better than in some areas. And so, key is what kind of games do the Charlotte Hornets win? How do they look? Um, and can they sustain it over the season, you know? Because it's unlikely that they'll ever hold a team to seven points in the fourth quarter. I don't know how the Rockets even had seven points in the fourth quarter of this game yesterday. Uh, I don't know what just happened to them offensively. They did not make shots. Uh, they were just a mess. Uh, Houston can't be taken seriously as an opponent, but, you know, Charlotte... In the past, where I lost this game by double digits, so and the, it, it, winning this game in itself was a, a big a big thing just for their confidence. But we're gonna see how they do against some of the other teams later on this season. And Lamelo Ball's continued play will determine how well this team looks in the years to come. The surrounding talent, whether they go young or mix up with veterans, will have to be built around Lamelo Ball. Um, and Jordan, you know, is going to have to really make sure that he gets a lot of things right even more um, as the season continues. But the coaching staff is doing pretty well. They got to keep on trying to find ways to get that second unit to score more points. 
And I think Charlotte will be a team that can at least be involved in that playing tournament um, this NBA season. After the other game uh, that I want to get into, the Milwaukee Bucks defeat the Denver Nuggets 125 to 112. Uh, the Bucks uh, have won their fifth straight game. They are 16 and 8 now, while Denver falls to 12 and 11. Giannis with 30 points, Middleton with 29. Uh, how about 15 points for shooting guard Byron Forbes? Got an opportunity to play. Um, I think because Drew Holiday was out due to I think health and safety protocols or something along those lines. So Milwaukee got pretty much a balanced effort from their starting five, um, and they you know shot 16 threes as a team. Out rebounding Denver, so Milwaukee's never been a great three-point shooting team, but they're gonna have to keep that um, consistent, especially in the postseason where they struggled to make threes. Um, that's why Holiday was brought here, and so time will tell how the Milwaukee Bucks sustain their shooting because they gotta be a good offensive team um, when it matters in the postseason. Giannis is going to do whatever he has to do. He's going to drop always 29-plus a night. Um, but it's about being efficient. And I think that uh, at some point, the Milwaukee Bucks really just have to prioritize making Giannis is in full, healthy shape in this season and heading into the postseason because that's the most important thing, having him available for all the playoff games, having him be, be fresh and ready for a lot of the games that the Milwaukee Bucks will play this season is absolutely crucial. Um, and Vincenzo is somebody who's going to have to step up and do a lot of things, um, especially with, you know, where things have gone this season for, um, you know, like in terms of the Bucks, how last season went, you know, Vincenzo and this bench is going to have to step up also. Um, because the future is here. Giannis chose to be with the Milwaukee Bucks for the long term. They got to keep building around him and getting shooters. And they got to be active and, and, and get better and better because they got to pose a challenge to the, the, the Brooklyn Nets who are considered the favorites for a lot of different reasons. But, you know, Giannis is still there. And so Giannis has to be ready for Brooklyn, um, I would say, later on in the in NBA season. Because uh, he is, he and the Milwaukee Bucks are the one team, along with Miami and maybe Philadelphia, that can give the Nets problems in the postseason. And they have to be able to play good basketball uh, and get good seating. And, and that will definitely be, be very important um, in some ways. But execution and the effort of the benches will be very crucial for the Milwaukee Bucks this season. Uh, and that will be their way to get back to the, you know, conference semifinals and hopefully the uh, NBA finals if they can make it that far. As for the Denver Nuggets, they've had a tough time this season winning games. They win games and they lose games. Um, but, you know, in this game, Millsap had 14. Jamal Murray, only 11 points, 417 shooting. Not good enough for Jamal Murray. We know he's capable of much better. Um, as a point guard, he's shown that to us in the bubble and before. So Murray's got to get it back on track. Jokic had, you know, about 35 points, but you know, 13 of 26 shooting. He has to be more efficient. 
Michael Porter Jr. still working his way back ever since coming back from the injury and the, all the health stuff. Only eight points for Michael Porter Jr. He is the one for Denver who can really step up and emerge as a big time player for them. He has to. He absolutely has to emerge because the Nuggets need him that production. Because Jeremiah Grant gave them good production last year. He is now in Detroit. So Porter Jr. Will Barden are two guys on the Nuggets that I'm looking forward to seeing how they play this season because Jochik and Murray are going to need that outside shooting and that support. Um, and they got to get that um, to be more consistent over time as the season goes along. Because Denver is still a good team. They got some good size on that team. Uh, they got to be able to just make sure they can hit shots on the perimeter. And that's where Barden, Millsap, uh, Michael Ford Jr. come into play. And this second unit may need some help, so would not be surprised if one of these guys has a play off the bench. Would definitely be something that has to be considered because Denver needs to be prepared. In the postseason, their bench wasn't able to score as much you know, in the bubble, so they got to find a way to incorporate some scoring, get Yorchik and Murray to be fresh enough for Denver to have a chance um, in the postseason. Because last year, I think those guys played a lot of minutes. And to an extent that really affected them a lot, being there out on the court a whole lot. So you gotta see them get more balanced offensively. And Barden, Will Barden, Millsap, Michael Porter Jr. are guys that have to step up for the Denver Nuggets this season, and they want to get back to the Western Conference Finals.